You know, it's I mentioned before, it's, it's always interesting when you have um, people putting the different parts of the service together and how you can come across different parts and how also you'll have things that fall in line. The scripture reading, court put that in, and yet my sermon is incorporating part of that piece of it. Sunday school this morning was another piece that comes together and falls in line. I always find it interesting and it's neat isn't quite the word to cover it, but it's one of those things where it's insightful to see God working and how he lines up scriptures to reinforce them throughout the day for you. Um, We talked last time about encouragement and what that means. What does it mean to encourage one another and encouraging us to encourage one another? Now I want to talk about part of the reason of why we do that. And that comes down to perseverance. And I want to focus on perseverance being different from patience, okay? I didn't want to come up here and speak, speak on patience. I always like to say if you, you pray for patience, you pray for a boxcar load of troubles. And I didn't want to go there. I was focusing on the perseverance side of it. And there's a reason for it in that perseverance is different than just patience. Patience is often a waiting process. Perseverance is actually an active, assertive effort. And what does that mean for us? Because we see the word perseverance throughout the scripture. In fact, there are dozens upon dozens of scriptures that reference perseverance. What does that mean? Um, I'm going to give you a few quotes to kind of discuss a little bit. It says, energy and persistence conquer all things. That was by Benjamin Franklin. Newt Gingrich references says, perseverance is the hard work you do after you get tired of doing the hard work you already did. Napoleon says, victory belongs to the most persevering. Charles Spurgeon says this, he says, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Okay? Gives us that concept of, of struggle and ongoing. It's not just sitting back waiting. It wasn't waiting for the ark to come to the snail. The snail still had to move forward. It's about steadfastness and endurance, that lasting effort. Um, Part of that is, I I like the term tenacity. It's not something as Americans we typically view as a virtue. In fact, if you look at some of the books that are written about American culture, it's usually the disposable society is one of the most current ones. And, And there's different books out there, and it doesn't talk about us having what? That long-term steadfastness, endurance, that's no longer seen as a strong virtue in America. In fact, we are, move on. If it's not quick and instant and off we go, what are we doing? Well, that takes too long. drive through windows, if they're not 30 seconds, I'm mad because I'm waiting at the drive through window, right? Endurance, steadfastness, tenacity to dig in and hold on. And this is seen at both the personal level It's also seen at the corporate level, from how R&D is done to the short-term profits of stock markets. We as a culture do not support or encourage perseverance. And yet that's exactly what Jesus talks about repeatedly. So I want to look at that and think about it in terms of, this this is a pet peeve, I'm sure I'll irritate somebody here, but 
one of the things that we have, kind of the exception that proves the rule, is marathons. You dedicate yourself and drive onto something that killed the first person that did it. For what end? Notice the lack of purpose there? Yes, it's health, and you may have it as a goal, and more power to you to be in health and shape. I fully support that. But when we push our bodies, and we push ourselves for endurance in only one area, but lack it in others, are we really learning the lesson of what that marathon is supposed to teach us? Now, the why or the reason for perseverance is, is an important aspect because why we endure on something can mean the difference between obstinacy and perseverance. It's been said that obstinacy is a great no, where perseverance is a great will too. One is a negative, and driving at a no and focusing on a no is a difficult thing. That's not to say that there are not places for it. We have enough lax morals here in the United States that we can definitely stand up and say, no, we're not going to do that. No, we don't need to do this. And there are times to say no. But if you're always dwelling on the negative, you outlined something by saying no, 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 but you've never given the positive to say what it actually is. And I know that as a item out there as church, oh, you're a believer. Oh, you're one of those people who doesn't do this and doesn't do that, right? Those kind of, oh, you're the people who don't do these things. But we never filled in what we actually do. That's where the perseverance comes in. That's where the character comes in. And in order to be an effective Christian witness, one of the things you have to do is actually have something in that box filling in aside from just saying no. And that's where the perseverance comes in. Character is kind of the next step in that. And we're going to look at how the scripture unpacks that. But if you're going to look at that positive aspect of developing something in that box to be a witness for, you have to look at what the divine plan is. There's a positive statement there that says, here's what I'm going to be. In fact, God says this. He says, be holy as I am holy. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, there are commandments there that say, don't do this, don't do that. There are also commandments there that do say what? Do unto others. Understanding how to persevere through those and continue doing those commandments, continue being holy, because let's face it, we don't wake up the next day after becoming a Christian, ta-da, perfect Christian, look at me, I'm perfect. Yeah, that doesn't happen, does it? It's more like, oops, stumble and fall. Oops, stumble and fall. Get back up. Get up. Get up. I'm on my knees already. I didn't even make it up. We suffer and struggle and push on. Do we have that endurance to struggle and keep pushing on? One of the things I look at is an example of our Christian life. It's kind of like when you're kneading dough. What do you have to do? You've got to keep working it, right? 
keep moving it. You keep flipping it. And you roll it out. I used to get frustrated with mom. She's like, well, you keep ro rolling the dough out. I'm like, what are you? Why do we got to keep doing this? Is there any kind of fat? No, this is the part of the process. It's got to be rolled out. And you roll it back in and more flour and keep going and roll it back out. As I've grown in my Christian life, I've, I've kind of actually gone back to a different illustration. And that is sometimes at the carnival you see the taffy puller. Right? Have you ever made taffy? Start pulling it. Keep pulling it. Keep pulling it. Keep pulling it. You can't just start with, okay, we pulled a little bit and off we go. But there's a process for that. And it's like our growth process as Christians. There's a kneading. There's a rolling. For some of us, it's a pulling. And it's an ongoing pulling. The key point, though, in that, in getting to why do you put up with the pulling? Why do you put up with the growing? What's the alternative to growing? Dead, right? So we always talk about things are either living and growing or else they're dead. Now, that leads us to the core root of what our perseverance is, that why. Why do you do it? Because why are you growing? What are you growing for? Are you growing for faith? Are you growing because you put your, your trust in God? Do you trust in his sovereignty? That's really a question we have because it leads back to faith. Perseverance is a key element of faith. And if you don't deal with the needing and the pulling and the rolling out, you know, pack up your bags and go home, you miss perseverance. You miss what it means to really grow and be as a Christian. And you miss the opportunities to have that information inside that box that describes what a witness really is. Uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity talks about faith, and he talks about having two meanings. One is an acceptable set of statements. Do you believe these things? Yes, I believe those. I accept those on faith. That's it. He said, but the other side of it, and this is what people don't understand sometimes. We talk about, well, are you, do you have your faith still? Are you putting your faith out there? It's like, well, did you accept this set of premises? Yes, I accept this set of premises. Did Christ come as the Son of God? Did he live perfectly? Did he die for your sins? Did he rise again? Yes, I accept those. How is that faith? Because the other side to it is, how does that faith stretch and grow, and what does that mean? And it's a term, and it's, it's an understanding of faith that is an ongoing process. It's what we struggle with continuing on. That's where we kind of end up in the taffy puller and being stretched and pulled and sometimes farther than we ever think possible. But I want you to consider this. If you're dead, spiritually, and God breathes life into you, let me just ask those of you who've been through surgeries of various kinds, 
Afterwards, when you hopped up for physical therapy and just rolled through the nurse's office, wasn't it great? It didn't happen that way, did it? After physical therapy, what happens? Okay, lift. Lift a little hard, right? And you're looking at that mean old nurse going, you've got to be kidding me. You're killing me with this. Now, if you've been dead spiritually, you don't hop up and go dancing that night, do you? If you've been in a coma for 20 years, or you don't hop up unless you're Steven Seagal in one of his movies where suddenly he's the next boom, 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 he's moving right along, right? And suddenly in a week's time, he's up fully healthy and back to full power. Only in Hollywood do they see that. The rest of us, what do we have to do? We struggle. We struggle with the therapy. And have you ever thought about the fact that that same physical therapy has to be applied to our spiritual lives? Because we were spiritually dead. And Christ breathed back into us life. There's no shortcut. So it's going to take time. It's going to take pain. It's going to take the pulling to achieve it. Perseverance, Paul writes about it very heavily. And I'm going to focus just on a couple of, of texts to focus on. Um, the Old Testament focuses on perseverance. Uh, in fact, I actually wrote to a friend of mine who was walking in the pig, you know, from Isaiah where it says, you know, you shall walk and not faint. You shall run and not grow weary. He sent back afterwards. He said, did it talk about the pain afterwards? <laughs> you know? But one of the other areas is Psalms. One of the things I encourage you is after the sermon, get a hold of one of those Psalms where it talks about what it means to persevere. Because David persevered. There's a lot of Psalms, and whether it's the whole chapter or the verse, grab hold of one of those Psalms and use it to kind of put your place and say, this is the mark I'm making, and I'm not falling back from that. I'm going to hold on to that. Make that part of your spiritual therapy to move forward. First, I want to start with 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, where he references perseverance. For those of you who are outlining, this is the prelude to the sermon. Now we get to the points of the sermon. Second Peter chapter 1, 5 through 7, we'll read the verse before and after, says this. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, and your perseverance godliness, and your godliness brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness love. Notice it's a flow. It's a building process. Now, keep your finger in, in, in Second Peter there. And flip over to Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. We already read 1 through 8 earlier. Verses 3 and 4 are where we want to focus on. And it says this. And not only this, that being our condition of being justified... But we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Now, Paul sums it up in that tribulation, perseverance, character, and hope 
So I'm going to kind of focus on those four points rather than following on Peter's eight points because I don't think we have the perseverance to push through the eight-point sermon. So we'll focus on the four-point sermon from Paul. We have mothers to honor and such today, so we'll follow the briefer track today. So, But in both of them, there's a pattern. And in that pattern, as I said, there's, there's a recycling. It's a recycling of life and growth and stretching. Even as that taffy is pulled back and forth across itself and stretched and pulled, it continues to grow and continues and continues and continues. And that's part of what we need to think about. Because if we're on this trek, and I say that as if, if you are on this trek as a Christian, this doesn't end until you get to heaven, until you reach that level of perfection. Now, with trials, consider this. James says it this way. He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let, it's in, and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Consider it all joy. Congratulations, you made it to the taffy puller. Consider it joy. To me, that's a hard scripture. That was a hard one to just, just wrestling with it going, I got tribulations and trials coming. I'm supposed to be happy. Okay. I'll put the smiley face on, but I'm struggling with this. And as we go through those times, whether it's making the budget fit, trying to answer questions from somebody, dealing with a boss, looking at a loved one who's suffering, there's a hard time sometimes to go, I'm counting it joy, Lord. I'm here. But I want you to understand, James doesn't say, laugh and go through it joyfully. He says, count it joy. Because what he's telling you is you're in that taffy puller. You're being stretched. You're being rolled out. More flowers being added. You're being folded over. There's a growth process in place. That's what you're to count as joy. That that process is still taking place in your life. Now, Charles Swindoll says this, and I always love this. He says, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it talks a lot about our attitude, doesn't it? How do we see these things coming at us? I'm overcome with a something. Or is there something else to it? Now, we can't necessarily do much about the trials coming at us. So my first point in this four-point sermon isn't going to be focused much on this aspect. Trials are coming. Count it joy even though it may not feel like joy as you're coming through it, you'll be able to count on this joy because you are on that process of growth. We'll move on to the other 90%, which is the perseverance, the character, and the hope. Each level builds on itself. And there's a, there's a speech, I want to read a part of it to you. 
that was given in October 29th of 1941. This was by Great Britain's Prime Minister, Winston Churchill. He was visiting the Harrow School where he went to, boys, he went to school as a boy. And this is, the, this is the speech he said. He said, never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. We stood all alone a year ago, and to many countries it seemed that our account was closed. We were finished. All this tradition of ours, our songs, our school history, this part of the history of this country, were gone and finished and liquidated. Very different is the mood today. Britain, other nations thought, had drawn a sponge across her slate, but instead our country stood in the gap. There was no flinching and no thought of giving in. And by what seemed almost a miracle to those outside of these islands, though we ourselves never doubted it, we now find ourselves in a position where I say that we can be sure that we have only to persevere to conquer. That was a statement made by the Prime Minister 30, what, eight days before Pearl Harbor, from our perspective. And yet he was optimistic, he was focused. And that never give in speech resonated with those boys, and it resonated with the country. And there are three lines to me in his speech that really drive the point home. One is, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Anybody who remembers the story of Job understands that. Elijah looking out and smiling at the enemy army going, <laughs> you know, and his, what's his comrade say? What, what are you looking at? He's like, you don't understand. There's more with us than there are with them. God, let him see. That hurt. But we have to understand that there is an apparent overwhelming might of the enemy. It's not illegitimate. It's not real. Our victory's already won. The second point is this. We have only to persevere to conquer. I find it ironic that Napoleon said that statement in some reflection against England, you know, a hundred years before. And now Churchill is saying it. All we have to do is persevere to conquer. As we move on through the scripture, I want that to bear in mind for you. All we have to do is persevere to conquer. Victory was not certain for England then. That was 38 days plus before Pearl Harbor. The German might was everywhere. They were getting bombed periodically, or I should say regularly. That's a hard thing to think about, but realizing that all they had to do was persevere. But the alternative for this was they died. 
And that's what we need to bear in mind. We either have life and growth, which means we're going to have struggles, or we die, and we're dead. And when you understand the simple, let's call it the horns of a dilemma. Gee, which one do I want? Do I want to continue living or I'll just give up and die? That's part of what we have to understand moving forward. The Brits have been recognized for their character because as a nation they persevered through that. And that perseverance helped build their character. And it was recognized around the world for their character and their perseverance. The third line, though, that really drove it home for me was this. And it says, though we ourselves never doubted it. When we first talk about persevering, you're persevering for what? They did not doubt their faith. For them, it was faith in their country and moving forward. For us, it's faith in God. Do we doubt God? In our darker moments, sometimes we have to admit, yes, we do. When we're on that taffy puller getting stretched far, sometimes realize as we're looking at a loved one struggling, or going, this is never going to work. The numbers just don't add up. How are we going to? That can be a time where we start wondering. But those are the times also that we have to look back and say, you know what? I only made it this far the other day. But today I'm using a weight on there. And I'm going to keep moving this arm farther and farther. And look back because that gives us the assurance. We're going to touch on Because I have to ask, do you cling to your faith as the Brits did? Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What gives you that assurance? Do you know? Because it is looking at the successes you've had in the past. In some ways, it's looking back and saying, Wow. There's only one set of footsteps back in the sand. I guess he was carrying me after all. Those are the kinds of exercises that give us assurance to help our faith grow. So we continue to make that decision. I want to live rather than die. I will continue because I've seen how God has helped me in the past. And I will continue moving forward because I know where my faith is. And I have that assurance from the exercising of the gifts I've already done. Are you exercising your spiritual gifts? Are you exercising and using your talents? If you're not, are you still laying there spiritually dead? See, the character shows through. CJ and I watched uh, Jason the Argonauts the other day, and there was this one whiny little character on there, and he was on the boat, and every time something would happen, oh, we've got to turn back. Oh, this is, the ship's going to drill down. We're going to die. Everything's horrible, horrible. I looked at CJ at one point. I said, I hope the next monster eats him. Because the guy was just, but in some level, he, he just didn't have the endurance. He didn't have the desire to go on. He didn't have, it was just, oh, poor me. What was, we going to die? Oh, I'm hungry. I'm, it was like, stop whining already. Move on. But I have to ask, you know, what level of endurance do we have to do those kind of things? 
I think of the professor who was burned very seriously, and it took ongoing surgeries, and they finally reached a point where they said, you're not going to be better. It's going to keep hurting. There's nothing we can do about that. And his peers and students would come up and ask him, so how are you doing today? How are you doing? And he finally just said, you know, just do me a favor. Don't ask. I don't want to lie and I don't want to complain. Just don't ask. I'm here to keep moving forward. That's kind of on the other end of the spectrum from a little whiny guy. But to me, that was a statement of character that, you know, I don't want to lie and I don't want to complain. So maybe just don't ask right now. Let me move forward. Now, on a day when we're celebrating our mothers, and they've heard us cry and whine and complain, and that's only about our kids. Um, I have to wonder how we sound to God. Do we sound like the professor, or are we more to be like the little whiny guy on the boat going, oh, there's waves, we need to turn back? Are we like the disciples in the boat who woke up Jesus and, don't you care, we're going to drown? Or are we going, he'll see us through. Ooh, what a ride. I'd be hanging over the side sick, but you know. Um, we have different focuses and different, different levels of endurance, don't we? That's part of our spiritual walk. That's part of our spiritual therapy to move us on. When God listens to us, does he hear? Well, I'm going to take my ball and I'm going home. I'm tired of it. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm, I'm angry, right? Are we two-year-olds stomping? Or are we moving forward and moving up that level of maturity? Because husbands, wives, parents, kids, each and every one of us, we are modeling behavior for everyone else to see as well. That's that positive inside the box that I talked about. The negative may delineate some of the exterior of it, but that inside, that character, that's what we're really showing. When God looks down, does he see a nursery or does he see growing, struggling, enduring servants? Paul and Peter and James write about perseverance but so too does John. John doesn't write about it in the Gospels. He doesn't even write about it in his letters. In fact, where he writes about it is actually in Revelation. And it's not so much his writing as it is Christ's letters to the church. And I think it's very interesting that in the seven letters in Revelation, John addresses three different churches regarding perseverance. To Ephesus, he says, I admire your perseverance, but you've lost your first love. To Thyatira, he says, I admire your perseverance, but you're tolerating a false prophet. And this whole prophetess thing, this is a problem. And to Philadelphia, he says, you who persevere and overcome are going to be rewarded. Now, I want us to look at Ephesus and Thyatira and bear that in mind 
to say that perseverance is not all there is of character. Okay? I'm trudging on. I'm moving. You know, there's more to it than just that, isn't there? But as I say, just because you're on the right track, you can still get run over if you're not actually moving. Right? Just because you're on the right track doesn't mean you can sit still. You still have to keep moving. Thyatira reminds us that, you know what? There may be sins. Heaven knows there's enough sins out there. I think of the recent prophet Jay Leno who made the comment. He says, you know, if God doesn't do something about San Francisco, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. That to me was telling words from a Hollywood mindset that can look out and say, wow, there's this much sin out here? And yet we're living with it and see it around us. Do we speak out and say anything about sin around us? If not, we may be like Thyatira, where he looks at us and says, yep, you're persevering, but you're putting up with a lot of sin that you shouldn't be. Fruits of the Spirit remind us of those other gifts that we're to exercise, the other things that we are to bring in along with perseverance. But the third point reminds us that with Philadelphia, if we persevere, we will succeed. As Bonaparte, as Churchill also pointed out, if we persevere, we're conquerors. And actually, Christ tells us we are more than conquerors in him. We've already won. Isn't that great? We don't have to conquer already. Perseverance means we just get to the party. The battle's already done. But to reinforce this this growth of perseverance and character and hope, I want to look directly at what Jesus himself said in the parable of the sower. He contrasted the seeds in Luke chapter 8. If you'd like to turn there, you may. Luke 1 through 15. 8, 1 through 15. But he said this. There are four kinds of seeds. Seed being the word of God as it's put in people's hearts. There's ones that it lands on a hard path. It takes no root. What happens? Birds of heaven come along and swoop it and take it away. It never penetrates the heart. There's hard-hearted people who do not respond to the word. They hear it, bounces off, it's like next, it was a commercial or an ad, they pass it on and move on. Two is the shallow seeds that sprouted and died. I heard it said that those are the bean sprouts on Satan's sandwich. It's like, okay, there's another image for you. But those little sprouts, they sprout up, and what do they see? And we'll see them here shortly, won't we? We've had plenty of rain, things are great. What's going to happen as soon as the weather isn't quite as rainy? All those little dry areas will dry up. And we see all those little sprouts that sprouted up. No matter what they were, they die off. Three is the seeds that are choked up by the worries of this world. A lot of those around. Those are, as we talked about in Sunday school, those are the Marys and the Marthas, right? The Marthas. The ones that run around and, i got so many other things to do. I, yeah, church, yeah, I'll get there. Time, money, careers, fame, fortune. 
Luke chapter 8, though, in verse 15, the fourth type of seed, Jesus says this. And he's telling his disciples to understand it. The explanation of the parable, he says, But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. They bear fruit with perseverance. Doesn't mean tomorrow you're up dancing, spiritually speaking. You're exercising your abilities. But you are going to go through that taffy pull. You are going to be able to count it for joy that he is growing your faith in these things. Jesus spoke these words as an explanation not just to his disciples, but to us. To help us understand what kind of behavior will we role model. Will we model a two-year-old behavior? We have disposable faith like most Americans. Yeah, I tried church for a while and off I go with something else. Oh yeah, I go to church. I haven't been there and I don't know how long because I've got work and I've got all these other things. Are we choked out? Are we there to endure, to persevere, to develop a godly character by having the word in us and exercising it and exercising our gifts and will we hold on to that hope? See, as we strive to build that character, we're going to hold on, and even though we're stretched and we're pulled and we're kneaded like dough, serving our Father is the only purpose that brings it through. And that singular focus and dedication on serving Him is what's so critical. It will bring you to a place of spiritual maturity where you can look back and say, you know what, those were tough times, but I count them for joy. Because he's brought me to a point where I'm not lacking. I'm full of hope and love and lacking in nothing. As Paul and Peter and James have each said. Let's ask the Lord to bring us to that point. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wisdom We thank you for your sovereignty. Lord, we thank you also for your love that comes in a variety of tribulations and trials. Trials that are often very difficult and bring with them tears and frustration and, Lord, sometimes stress that we do not even need to bother with as we try to address it and not trust you. Lord, we ask today that you will guide us and help us to trust you, to put our faith in your Son all the more, that you will stretch us and grow us to be your servants and true witnesses for you. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.